I tell you, we are so grateful for Lauren Heffelbauer. She does such a great job with our children. And I just want to say we need our very best people working with children. Do you know why? Because that's our future. And uh, there's no time to retire from ministry. And so if you got one Sunday a month, you can work with kids, be an assistant, hold a baby. I'm sure she would welcome your help. Now, Lord, as we study the scriptures, only your spirit can make complex things understandable. So teach us today, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Now, uh, we, we've been in, this is a fourth week in a short series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've talked about eight of the nine gifts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to do the ninth one today. And here is your pastor's heart. I just want us to be as balanced as we can be. It's not easy to be balanced in any way, shape, or form. Managing our time, our checkbook, our devotional life, our walk with the Lord. It's not easy, but it's important. So we want to teach the scriptures and uh, allow that to speak into our life. We we talk of balance. This is balance to me right there. (laughs) Go home and teach your dog how to do that. He'll love it. He will absolutely love it. I turn to the book of Joel. Joel. The hardest thing is finding it. I get confused. Is it left or right? So go to Ezekiel. Go to Daniel. And keep going a few pages to the right. How many have your Bibles? Hold them up. Let's see your Bibles. Excellent. <clears throat> Joel chapter 2. And um, I want to say... This was written 800 years before Jesus. Then the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts 2. Peter preached from this. But I want to say Joel chapter 2 is going to happen again right before Jesus comes back. And you need to read this and go, oh my, oh my, we need to be watchful for this. Now, first point I want to make in Joel chapter 2 verse number 28, is there will be a big time outpouring of the Holy Spirit all over the globe and it's coming. We don't know when, but everything we do is in anticipation of this outpouring of the Spirit. Chapter 28, it shall come to pass afterwards. I'm going to pour out my Spirit on who? All flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams. Please don't point at anybody beside you. And your young men will see visions. Second point in Joel chapter 2, there will be a fresh release of prophetic dreams and visions that proceed and in the midst of this outpouring, and that is verse number 29. Even on your male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And as he does this in the future, I'm wondering if the church in America is ready for this. What do you think? Would that be yes 
or no? Well, we need it, but will they receive it? I'm not sure. I doubt it. The church, a lot of the church in America may miss it because they're not looking for it. Third point, there will be signs and wonders on earth and in the heavens. Verse 30, I will show wonders in the heavens, on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. And that is the next phrase. Before the coming, but the signs on earth and the signs in heaven are confirmation. If you see a stop sign, it is a confirmation. You should not proceed. If you see uh, eight hours to Myrtle Beach, that is a confirmation. You're on the right road to Myrtle Beach. So when people see these things, they will know that the scriptures are true indeed. And the fourth thing in this passage of Joel will be a great awakening. Everyone say great awakening. And it will come to pass, verse number 32. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. There'll be those who escape as the Lord has said. And among the survivors, there will be those who call upon the name of the Lord. This outpouring will be right before the great and awesome, King James says, the great and terrible day of the Lord. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. And there will be great moves of God among Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and atheists and nominal church people that have never read their Bible. And their heart will be awakened and they will follow Jesus. That's good news. Now let's talk about the gift of prophecy. Now since this is a broad subject, it's not easy to talk about. I'll probably miss some things, but you're going to have to do some of the research yourself. <clears throat> I'm going to give you the verses. I'm going to tell you the meaning, but you're going to have to wrestle with this. Now, the gift of prophecy is very important to Christ's kingdom. Very, very important. In Revelation, that we'll be going back to very soon, we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation. Chapter 19, verse 10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? Jesus is the center of every story, every chapter, every page in the entire Bible. Jesus is the center of everything. And much of his life was prophesied even before he was born. One, that his family would flee to Egypt. That was prophesied like 600 years before he was even born. And as you know, when I was in Egypt a couple of years ago, it was really wonderfully weird to see the same pyramids that Mary and Joseph saw. That was just unbelievable just to think about. And his future return is prophesied. It is in the book. That's why we're studying the book of Revelation. Now let me put this on a third grade level. Is third grade level good for you? Is that yes or no? Third grade level. I can't go down any further. So if you don't understand, ask your neighbor, what in the 
world is he talking about? <clears throat> Very simple. Let's get out of our denominational boxes. Stop thinking about theology. Just look at the scripture. Let's make this very, very, very simple. Prophecy is simply Jesus speaking to his people. <clears throat> Someone say amen. amen. Okay, that's all it is. Say this verse with me. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. They go hand in hand. You wouldn't know about him without the prophecy. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. You don't have time to look at it. Let me just quote it. Amos was told to write this down. That the Father does not do anything until he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets, first. Very important. Roman numeral three. Prophecy was important in the days of scripture. It's going to be important in the future. It is important today for a couple of very simple reasons. One is God loves his people. He loves his people and he loves you. He cares about you. He thinks about you. He wants to be involved in your life on a personal basis. It's not about coming to church. It's about walking with your heavenly father because he cares about you deeply. And if he cares about you, he's going to speak to you. Most Christians don't know that he still speaks today. If a father is a good father, he's not going to live in the same house for three months and not speak to his daughter. Doesn't that make sense? And our heavenly father is compassionate. There is no evil in him. He's thoughtful, caring. He is all wise. So he's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to me because he is a good, good father. Now here's what Jesus said in Matthew 4. Man does not, does not, cannot ever live by bread alone. Just working a job is not going to give you a good life. Maintaining your house, your hobbies, your checkbook, going to school. That is not where it is. Where is it then? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's where it is. Point number three. Because God loves his people, because God speaks, God will use other people to share his heart with you and I. That's just what he's done in my life over all these years. He uses people. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have had the Lord use somebody else to speak to you? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Look at there. He does that. Now here's, here's the story of Deborah. Men and women can have the gift of prophecy. Deborah is a female prophet and a judge. And she would hold court in a group of trees. And the scripture says all Israel would come to listen to Deborah for one reason. Not because she was so smart, not because she was strategic, not because she came from a certain family. They came for one reason. Deborah heard from God. 
You know what we need in our country today, in our state, in our city? We need to be led by people who hear from God. Prophecy has not disappeared. There are some churches that teach all the gifts and prophecy have been done away with. That is not true. There is not one single verse in the entire Bible unless you misuse and proof text verses. It's nowhere in there. It has not disappeared because God is still speaking to his people. Isn't that simple? Doesn't that make sense? Point number five. Prophecy is a treasured gift. Everyone say gift. You know what a gift is? A gift is really nice. If someone says, Steve, can I give you something? Here's my automatic response. (laughs) I accept stuff I don't even want because it might be good. You never know. But it is a treasured gift. That's what the Father calls it. And all these gifts we've studied, Paul writes... With all these different gifts, according to the grace, it's grace he's given, it's not you. If you have this gift of a prophetic heart, you need to use that gift in accordance to the faith that you've been given. Use it. And I don't want you to feel that this thing of prophecy is weird or strange or that's what that weird church does or we don't want that. It is normal, it is needed, and you know what, when it, when it is used or misused, it is weird and can be abusive, but when people are walking with the Lord and using it appropriately, it is a blessing and it is helpful. Now, there's a verse that you may have never read or heard about. Uh, it is a farm kind of verse, but it says something for all of us. Read it with me, please. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes through the strength of an ox. What does that mean? I grew up on a small farm and we had cattle. And if you have cows in a barn... You always cut the light on before you walk in. (laughs) And cows do what cows do and do. (laughs) I cracked myself up. So my dad would have us cleaning out barns. Because it kind of gets messy with cows and horses and stuff. But if you're a farmer and you got to plant a crop, you better have some strong oxen. Because they're going to pay your bills for you. Are you with us? So sometimes the gifts can be kind of messy. But you don't worry about that. You just make the adjustment because you want the benefit. Number six. Prophecy is a biblical foundation for the church. Where do you get that, Steve? Right from Ephesians chapter 2. Paul wrote, being built upon a foundation. A foundation of what? Apostles. What are apostles? By the way, 
they're still around, maybe more today than ever before. Apostles are people that are anointed of the Lord to go into new areas to start new work. They are groundbreakers. And there are some heroes all over the globe paying a price because they have an apostolic calling and they will not be denied. But the prophets are another group of people. They're the people that have a tender heart for the Lord. And they tend to have this radar that picks up on what God is doing. And those two groups, apostles and prophets, lay a foundation where Jesus, the cornerstone, what is he called? I'm sorry, third grade level. What is he called? The corner. It's usually up on the screen somewhere. Just guess. Throw something weird out. Just guess. He's a cornerstone. Everything is built upon him. And his work has been foretold by the prophets and the apostles. Seven. When the prophetic is working, we are to weigh. Everyone say weigh. Weigh what is said at all times. Whether it's me preaching or you hear somebody on podcast or you go to a meeting or somebody says something in a small group, do not just believe what anybody says. Everybody's going to be off a little bit. I'm off probably every week a little bit. But you need to test it. John writes, friends, don't believe everything you hear, but test. Everyone say test. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God because there has been and there will be a lot more false stuff going on. What do we base it on? The scripture of the council of mature people around what's happening. Number eight. Paul tells us several times, don't despise the prophetic. It's a gift. It's needed. It is helpful. Don't think, well, that's for those people, or don't think, well, that's not for me. No, don't say that. It's what the scripture says, what Jesus said. Mark Batterson, a pastor I like in Washington, D.C., we've studied two of his books on how to hear God. Draw the Circle is a great devotional book. I suggest you read that. The staff, every Wednesday, we've already gone through it once as a church, but we're going through it chapter by chapter as a staff before we pray. But he says this, the more we grow in grace, actually the more prophetic we become. The closer we get the better we hear. Isn't that kind of common sense? 10. The more we grow in prayer, the more we hear God's voice. Now this is a church. Prayer is the center of this church. Jesus at the center. Prayer is at the center. We want to be a house of prayer. We don't know what that looks like, but we are dedicated to praying. This coming Friday and Saturday, we have 24 hours devoted, 24-hour prayer slots where people are going to come in and pray here. And we've got 16 churches in our city to join us, and eventually we're going to get 30 or more, and we're going to cover this city in prayer. It's getting pretty excited. Pastors are joining together and praying early in the morning, which is very exciting because the more we pray... 
the more we hear. And the prophetic is simply a byproduct of prayer. Roman numeral four. I believe this will make things more clear. It'll take some of the confusion out. It seems to me like in the scripture, there's like four levels of prophetic ministry. I never saw this before, but I want to say all of them are valuable. All of them are needed. The first one is what I want to call simple prophecy. Everyone say simple prophecy. What do you mean simple prophecy? I mean this. If you have received Jesus, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And you have the capacity to receive words from the Holy Spirit. You should be receiving from him every day. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. And I want you to know that's you. I carry around cards in my pocket. I start my day off in the scriptures and then prayer. And I tend to write down things, names, things I should do. My wife told me to bring bread home from the grocery store. If I don't do that, it's going to be a knot upside the head. It's a joke. She hits me in the nose, not the head. And I want to say, if you've given your heart to Jesus, all men and women, at times you can speak from the Lord's heart to help people. You may not even know that the Lord shared that with you to give somebody else. We just read that all your sons and all your daughters will prophesy. That's what the scripture says. We're all on equal footing with this level of simple prophecy. Give you an example. 1971, I was dating a real pretty girl. Oh, a real pretty girl. There she is right there. I didn't have to have any kind of discerning when I saw her the first time. I went, that's a pretty girl. She didn't date me for a couple of months, which is probably understandable. But we started dating, and I was doing a lot of ministry, and we kept getting closer and closer and closer. And I'd been walking with the Lord for about eight or nine years, and I'd been praying for my future wife for seven years, even though I didn't meet her, because I know who you marry is the second most important decision you will ever make. They will have more to do with your success than anybody else. It's very important. And you don't marry because they're pretty. They smell good. They're smart. They're rich. That helps, huh? (laughs) Or they make you feel good. Or your hormones are doing this and you just can't think without them. And you have to talk to them. You have to text them. You have to be with them all the time. Uh, That wears off in about 16 months. (laughs) And then you wake up with somebody and you look over in the bed and go, 
what did I do? Oh my goodness. There's the best reason to get married and to marry the person you should marry is that the Lord says, I want you to marry this one. And so I had a checklist of about 10 things I was going through. I fasted for three days and locked myself in a hotel room. And I looked at every single verse that the scripture had about men and women and marriage. And uh, my parents, I'd learned to take their advice. And I went to them and said, what do you guys think about Sue? What do you think? And um One day on our small farm, my brother was there and I was there and we're actually leaning on a fence and I asked him the question, what do you think about Sue, me marrying her? Here's what he said. I want to say, Steve. You may find a woman that can do this or a woman can do that or a woman can do this, but you will never find another woman that will love you more than Sue Dorsey. And since I'd been seeking the Lord and asking him, when he said that, the Holy Spirit inside me, it's almost like the little bell started ringing, not the church bells, the Holy Spirit bells. And he said, yeah. And I said, yes. And that's been a great ride of 42 years. Let me make it simple again. Third grade level. Let's not get spooky. Let's not get weird. Prophecy means that God is speaking. And he can speak in 10,000 different ways. So don't box him in. Don't tell him how to speak. Just let him speak. Give you another example. <clears throat> Recently, I was with a new friend. I get a little prompt. I'd not met this. I, I'd met him briefly. I get this prompt, write it down, ask this gentleman to go to breakfast with me. We're sitting at breakfast. I want him to do 80% of the talking. I want to get to know who this new friend is. We're talking. He's telling me his story. I have been a drug dealer for 20 years. <clears throat> I have had a lot of people selling drugs. I've been arrested a whole bunch of times. And every time I've got out of the charge, every single time. But he said there was a time I was arrested and I spent 17 months in prison and I was about to go to trial. And it looked like I was going to get 20 years. And I'm in prison. And he said, I decided I couldn't take 20 years in prison. And I was going to take my life. And the moment I said to myself, I'm going to take my life. They opened the prison doors and they let a hundred of us go out to the prison yard and the only man I knew in that prison after 17 months that was a good man, that was an honest man, came up beside me as I was walking to the prison yard and he put his hand on my shoulder 
And I, he said he was in prison because he killed the man that assaulted his daughter. He was a man of faith that had ruined his life by acting in vengeance. He said he put his hand on my shoulder as we were walking and he stopped me and looked at me and said, do not take your life. And he said, I was so stunned that a stranger would know the secret of my heart that he became my friend. Those five words changed the whole direction of my life. A couple weeks later, I gave my heart to Christ. The Lord has blessed me. I didn't have to serve the 20 years. I was given mercy when I should have got justice. And today, that man is a pastor. All because the Lord spoke to a man And this man helped another man. Someone say, Amen. Amen. Now you and I are told by the scripture to earnestly seek to prophesy. Just means share God's heart about a situation. Paul says, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts we've talked about, but especially that you may prophesy. He says later, My brothers earnestly desire to get God's heart and be able to share God's heart. Now, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to show you a cool verse that I read for years and I never even noticed it. 1 Corinthians 14. I want you to take a pen. I want you to mark it. You got it? You found it? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Please, please, please mark this. Paul, verse 3 says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to men for their upbuilding, which means to edify them, to strengthen them. The second thing is for encouragement. There's a lot of discouragement. And the third thing is consolation or comfort. And the Lord can use you for this. Doesn't that sound like a father's heart? Now, prophetic gifts is a second grouping. And these people seem to have an unusual sensitivity to the Lord's voice. They regularly receive impressions, dreams, visions, and other types of prophetic giftings from the Holy Spirit. We have a number of people in our church, I think I would put in this category. They're just very sensitive to the Lord's voice, and they are a treasure. When God speaks, it changes lives. It just does. Here's a picture of my very first church. Shelbyville, Kentucky, rural church, 50 people, 50 old people. Thank the Lord for old people. I'm getting close to that. And we, I'd only been there six months. We didn't have any young people. And there was a 25-year-old young single girl. She was our only single young person. And she came to me after church and said, Pastor Steve, 
I just, I want to tell you, I can't stay at this church. Well, I wanted at least one young person. I can't stay here. I said, why can't you stay here? Because I want to get married. And I can't marry Farmer Fred. He's a widow. He's 88. I didn't know what to tell her because I went, you know, I get it. I get it. And so right beside the church, mile and a half long country road, I would go down that road every day, read my Bible, walk 30 minutes down, 30 minutes back. That was my prayer and worship time. So I was just asking the Lord, what do I say to her? And I wrote down some things on a card. We met a couple of days and I said, Ange, why don't you do this? Why don't you trust the Lord to bring you a good man? He can do that better than you can find him. Let him bring you the man. I just read the story of Adam and Eve. And I said, the Lord knows you need a good man. Instead of chasing and trying to hunt for a good man, why don't you do what Adam did? Just go to sleep. Rest. Stop fretting. Let the Lord bring you the good man. And then involve yourself in following Christ in service. Do that and the Lord will meet your need. So... She said, that's what I'm going to do for one year. I go, great. So for one year, we started evangelism explosion. We were training people to share their faith. She saw what we were doing. I invited her to join us. She started learning to lead people to Christ. She got all excited about that. We didn't have a youth ministry. We started a youth ministry. I said, Angie, I need help. Would you help me with youth ministry? So she said, yeah, I'll help you. And she found a passion. So now she was doing two different things. Then she went on her first mission trip. I had a guy named C.V. Elliott call me from Go International in Wilmore. We had been seminary classmates, and he said, Steve, I want you to pray about something. I go, what? We're sending a team of young folk to Ecuador on a mission trip, and I want you to pray about sending some youth from your church. I said, okay. Then he said, I'm serious. I want you to pray. Okay, I will. No, I know you. I'm serious. I want you to pray. Will you promise me you'll pray? Okay, get off my back. I'll pray. So the next day, I'm walking down my little country road praying. I said, okay, Lord, is there anybody here you want to send on this mission trip to Ecuador? And I got a name right off the bat. Call Angie. And then right after that, I got the names of three teenagers. I wrote them down. I called all four that night, and all four said yes. I said, we'll raise money, help you go. And all four got their lives changed. The next year, I went. It changed my life. Then the Lord brought a new uh, old friend back into her life from EKU days. And that spring, I did their wedding. And that couple has been in ministry for 30 years. It's so much better when the Lord says what you should do. The third one is prophetic ministry. Say prophetic ministry. So notice it gets a little higher. Prophetic ministry is that believers whose character and giftings, they are recognized in the body of Christ. And people trust him because of their character. They've been around long enough. They tend to receive detailed information like names, faces, dates, future events. And God can use them to bring correction or adjustment to his people. Here's a picture of a man named Agabus. Everyone say Agabus. Agabus is in a prayer meeting, small meeting, maybe 15 or 20 people. And he stands up and says, I believe the Lord just whispered to me 
that there's a worldwide famine coming. And we need to get ready for it. And we need to use this as an opportunity for ministry. That's a guy named Agabus, a recognized prophet. And their words seem to carry more weight. Yet they still are under the authority and leadership of the body of Christ. This is a powerful gift. And if it's not submitted under the body of Christ, it can be very hard. And so they are still responsible to God for overseeing the church life, that is, the leadership. Here's another example about Agabus. Chapters later, Paul is feeling like he's got to go to Jerusalem. Agabus meets him and another group of people. He takes Paul's brand new belt off, leather belt off, and he straps a belt around his own wrist and says, the Holy Spirit is saying this. The man who owns this belt will indeed go to Jerusalem, but the Jewish leaders will arrest him and hand him over to the Romans. Now when Agabus said this, All the new converts and disciples said, no, 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 no. Paul is not going to Jerusalem. And yet Paul stopped him and said, I've already been told I am. It was actually comforting to Paul, knowing he was on the right track. You know what this is? It's on a used car lot in Nicholasville. Get it for $350. The prophetic is like this piece of machinery. This piece of machinery is very, very expensive. Put out by Lockheed Martin. It's the ANTPQ-53 radar system that our military uses all over the world. And it will tell you of problems 38 miles away. To get warning 38 miles away is better than hearing the go And then you're gone. This is what the prophetic is like. It's to protect us. It's to guide us and to help us. And the last one is what I call the prophetic office. Where the Lord gives this group of people a little more grace. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4. He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers... For the equipping of the saints so they can do the ministry of service. So the evangelists should be training up other evangelists. The people with gifts of prophecy should be training up other people that have gifts of prophecy. They often minister in signs and wonders like Elijah. Their words seem to be very accurate. Here's an example of Samuel. This little boy dropped off at about age seven. The scripture says in chapter 3, when Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, they knew, everyone say knew, that Samuel was established as a prophet to the Lord. You see, the nation needed him. And when he was leading the nation, the nation stayed straight. Our nation needs more Samuels today. This does not mean that the prophets are 100% infallible. 
But their words at this level are to be taken seriously. Now, this might be confusing, but I want to touch on this, okay? Can you pay attention for a few more minutes? In the Old Testament, Old Testament prophets were required to be 100% accurate. If they weren't accurate, you were to take them outside the city and stone them to death. Like, who wanted that job? How about 98? Nope, 100%. Next, this is not in your notes. I want to show you the difference between Old Testament prophets and people with giftings in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came only upon a few people. And he came upon people. He didn't come inside them. In the New Testament, everybody that loves Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit within you. So all believers have gifts and graces for this. The New Testament does not require the same standard of prophets who prophesy by faith because they may receive a nudge, a prompt, subtle impressions from the Holy Spirit. Paul said this, let two or three prophets speak. Usually that's a small group setting, 20, 30, 40 people. And then the others need to evaluate whether it's accurate. 100%, 70%, they're right on this, they miss that. Paul said, don't despise prophecy, but test. Everyone say test. Test all things. And then you spit out the bones. Hold on to what is good. This passage implies that there will be, when there is a prophetic word spoken, there will always be a measure of humanness with it. Why? Because we're human. The vessels that carry it are human. The job of the leadership is to weigh the accuracy of what's spoken. Let your prophecy be according to your faith. We do not stone people because they missed it. How else are they going to learn, right? If you're a preacher, you're going to miss it. If you're an evangelist, you're going to miss it. If you're a teacher, you're going to miss it sometimes. We need to be a safe environment where people can learn because we need people with these Giftings. Pastor's thoughts. Worship team, you guys get ready to come. Third grade level, it's better to hear the Lord speak to you rather than you just decide what you think is best. Agree? Agree. Number two, when you receive a prophetic word from someone, whether it's a small group in a meeting, You should always take the prophetic word and hold it at arm's length. Do not just embrace anything someone says to you. You do not act on it. You have to be careful about interpreting it and applying it. You need to let it sit. You need to pray through it. Maybe need to get some other counsel. Let God confirm it. Every matter must be established by two or three witnesses. Uh, five or six, in the last five or six years, we've had two young men in their twenties, different guys, didn't even know each other. They would show up in our lobby and they would be friendly and they'd meet people, which is nice. And then they'd say, I think I have a prophetic word for you. And they would say this and say that. And sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was weird. I particularly don't like that. We don't know them. 
They didn't stay long. And if I have a prophetic word, I'm ministering to somebody, I will ask them in a way rather than just say, I got a word for you. I don't even know you. How could you have a word for me? Three, receiving revelation of the Holy Spirit is one thing. And I think a lot of people get it right, but then the interpretation, they get it wrong. Or the application, they get it wrong. It's got to be all three. What is the Lord saying? What does it mean? And who's it for? You see, timing is very important. Just because the Lord gives you something doesn't mean it's for this afternoon. And who does it go to? Is it for one person? Is it for a small group? These steps take a lot of maturity and grace. They just do. And I think the Lord gives revelation in bits and pieces. He gives us one bit at a time. Paul said we know in part and we prophesy in part. We never get the full picture. It's a piece. It's a piece of the puzzle. You hear Paul has a dream while he's in Asia. And there's a man saying, I want you to come to Macedonia and help us. It is confirming. He does go across the sea. See Macedonia on the far left? But look, it's not the full puzzle. It's only seven words. Seven words. Seven words. So be comforted by knowing the Lord gives us pieces. Not the whole puzzle. Why did he give us a piece at a time? Because he knows information is dangerous. And if he gave you ten pieces, you would mess it up. So he gives you one piece... I want you to be faithful with that. Then we'll give you the second piece. Then we'll give you the third piece. And frankly, Fontes may have a piece. Mike may have a piece. Sue may have a piece. And we all have a, the pieces come together. That's why we are called a body. These three steps takes being submitted to a body. Revelation, interpretation, and what do I do with it? So they can be judged or evaluated in safety and love. I think a lot of folks that may have prophetic giftings, they've used their gifts in a place where it wasn't safe and they got hurt. If you're very sensitive to the Lord, often you're very sensitive to criticisms from people. Or you may have got the revelation right, but the interpretation was wrong and you still got hurt. We need people to be on the field not off the field because they got hurt but we all need to be accountable in a place that will help us grow in our faith takes humility and I know I've gone long and, and teachability for these folks to stay in the game just stay humble stay teachable keep moving forward let me tell you with this story as I close It's been probably 18 or 20 years ago. I had a pastor friend that I loved. 
invited me to hear a guy that's got a prophetic ministry. He's either on that third or fourth level. His name is Graham Cook. <clears throat> He's a man from England. <clears throat> I never heard of him. I frankly didn't want to go. I thought this is going to be weird. This is going to be creepy. Uh, I don't know any of these people, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to go. So I showed up late. I sat in the back. I listened for about two hours. <clears throat> I was the polite little pastor. After the service was over, I went up to Mr. Graham uh, Cook and shook his hand. I said, oh, thank you very much. That was just wonderful. And then I left. <clears throat> the meetings were going on the next day. I didn't want to go. But I got this prompt, this nudge, get up and go. I didn't want to go. Get up and go. I didn't want to go. Get up and go. Finally, I went again two hours late. I show up, about 60 people in the room, and Rob told me he was in the room. I sit on the back row, and Graham's up there teaching, and he says, Steve, would you stand up? I went, oh, shoot. I knew I should have stayed home. He said, can you come down here? And he's a very humble, meek man. And so I'm standing beside this man. And he said, when you didn't show up today, I was so disappointed and sad. Because I felt like the Lord gave me something for you yesterday. And he said, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper and said, don't worry, Steve's coming. He's just late. (laughs) Isn't that weird? And then he said this, and I actually have, it's like two pages, because they taped it, and I typed it up. And he said, you know what, you've been in this church, and it's been such a struggle. It's been hard for you, and I see you, you're like carrying around this heavy 80-pound tool bag, and you're dragging this thing around, and you keep trying to find the answer for ministry, and You're disappointed. People come and people go. And it's just been really difficult to you. But you've been asking the Lord, how long? When is this thing going to change? When is grace going to be released? When is heaven going to open? Well, he got me there. Then he said, here's what the Lord, I think, would want you to know. Your church will grow through your table. And I thought, table, what does that mean? Well, I just realized we had started a Bible study in my old house at my table. We had 15, 16 neighbors coming every week. And then my wife made a suggestion. Why don't we open our house and invite people over and use our house on Sundays? So we've been doing that 15 years. And I meet people at the table because at the table their defenses drop and they share their story. And many of them come to Christ. I am so glad I went to that meeting because that meeting changed me and changed the whole church because when the Lord speaks, it changes everything. So here's my suggestion before we pray. A simple way to hear God's voice. How many want to hear God's voice with more clarity? I do. That is my heart. Here's what I suggest you ask him. Just say to him, Lord, 
What are you saying today? What are you saying in the midst of the situation? And Lord, what are you doing? Where are you working? What do you want me to do? And then ask him this. Just please show me. You can if you want to. If I can't handle it, it's okay. But show me at the right time because I will be quiet. I'll be in the word. And I'll give you time in prayer. And I'll be careful to write down anything you say. Any piece. So the last moments are the best moments. Because we're going to worship with our hearts open. This altar is going to be open. If you're on the altar team, I want you to come and pray for people. But let's leave this space open for people to just get on their faces before the Lord. If you ask him for a peace, he'll give you the next peace. Don't tell him when. Don't tell him how. And ask him to speak to you so you can help others. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word does not return void. So Lord, I pray you would just speak to your sons and daughters in this room and give them hope that they can hear from you. And they can be a blessing every single day. And those with these giftings, Lord, may we treasure them and help them find their place. If anyone is in this room that's never given their heart to Christ or they're watching online, I pray they they would receive Christ right now by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior because I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. The altar is open. Come humble yourself. Cry out to him. This is our prayer this morning. Let's just sing this song together. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus to reach out and touch Him and say that we see 
Darkness, my God, that is who you are. 